What's here? What? What are you talking about? I don't know. I feel it. I feel it breathing on me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for all things horror. We are your hosts. My name is Brandon. My name is Justin. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. We're uh, testing some features out today. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, this doesn't really affect you a whole lot, but we are attempting to do live recording vi uh, visually so we can update them to our dead YouTube channel as well as um, uploading to Anchor Video. Um, yeah. And so if you never see video come from this, it's because something crashed and burned and we're just going to stick to audios, which may be better for your guys' viewing pleasure. But um, sure. <laughs> I'll do my best to look at the camera. I'm not much of a stare straight ahead kind of guy, so my head will wander. Um, but yeah, enough of all that. We are going to be covering paranormal activity today, as you can see. Um, I just realized that that stupid recording thing that it says in the top left corner of Zoom is showing, mm -hmm. <laughs> showing up on here, so fuck. Um, oh well, we'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so... We are going to talk about Paranormal Activity. I uh, mm -hmm. just got done watching it probably about a half an hour ago. Um, actually, got a little bit of flack for this this morning because my wife walks by and she's like, I thought you were doing this on Fridays. I'm like, yeah, it's the plan. <laughs> Things yes, don't always I go according to so plan. Too. <laughs> fucking start with me, Justin. <laughs> uh, I, I was being you. Oh, you want to I take never... that as sass, that's that's your business. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, so we tried something different with last week's episode. We started uploading some audio clips from the movie to add a little bit of flair, a little bit of spice mm -hmm. to the episodes. This episode is no different. Um, no feedback on it, so obviously nobody hated it, but... Yeah. I don't know if anybody liked it either, so <laughs> we will. We, we like we'll just go. We'll just move forward with it. Yeah. Um, paranormal activity. Let me get my notes ready here. So, uh, do we, I'll I'll do the like the, the this stuff. I doubt there's a whole lot of production notes to this movie, sure. uh, given how it was done. But I do want to get this out of the way so that way we don't have to shoehorn it in later <laughs> before we start getting going on our tangents here. Okay. But um, so Paranormal Activity, 2007, a supernatural horror film, written and uh, writ <sighs> produced, written and directed, photographed and edited by Oren Pelly. It uh, centers on a young couple, Katie Featherson and Michael Sloat, uh, Mike Mika Sloat, who are um, haunted by a supernatural presence in their home. They then set up a camera to document what is haunting them. The film utilizes found footage conventions that were mirrored in the later films of the series. Originally developed as an independent uh, feature and given film festival screenings in 2007, the film was shot for $15,000. I believe that. Um, it was then acquired by Paramount Pictures and modified, particularly with a new ending that cost an additional $200,000. If you're going to tell me it cost $200,000 to make <laughs> her face look like that, then you got ripped off. Yeah, I mean, Grant's 2007, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> like, um, it was given a limited U.S. release on September 25th, 2009, um, and then a national... Um, a nationwide release on October 16, 2009. The film earned nearly $108 million at the box office and a further $85 million internationally for a worldwide total of $193 million. So not too bad. Which is not bad given the fact that... Um, Most of it was made for like ten grand. <laughs> yeah. For like a... Shit. 200 and... What was it? $215,000 total-ish? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's less than Halloween. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, so Paramount and DreamWorks acquired the U.S. rights for $350,000. It was the most profitable film, is the most profitable film ever made based on return of investment. Although such figures are difficult to verify independently, as this is likely to exclude marketing costs. The film that's is... 
Huh? But still. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Returns. Yeah. Um, the film is the first, chronologically, the third entry in the Paranormal uh, film series, a paralleled sequel and prequel, Paranormal Activity 2, and a Jack, Jack a Japanese language sequel, Tokyo Night, were both released in 2010. That's some turnaround. The uh, success of the first two English language films would spawn three additional films in the series, a prequel, uh, the prequel Paranormal Activity 3 in 2011, and Paranormal Activity 4, the sequel to the second installment in 2012. Wow, this thing jumps around more than Halloween. Yeah, it gets uh, confusing. The, it works. <laughs> I mean, when you watch them all together. I'm thinking about doing ones, that too. Which is kind of weird, but... Like the fifth installment, The Marked Ones, which I don't think I've seen that one, was released in 2014. And okay. the sixth installment, The Ghost Dimension, was released in 2015. Also okay. Um, a video game, The Lost Soul, was released in 2017. I'm going to look that up because I don't remember that game. Um, while a seventh film, Next of Kin, was most recently, re- re- uh, most recently released in 2021. I enjoyed um, that one quite a bit. What's that? I enjoyed that one quite a bit. So, I mean, it's a part of the notes, so I guess I can wait till we get there. But yeah, I guess they made a video game. Uh, mm. uh, caught me off guard because I'm a big gamer. I love to game. True. So, uh, plot, you know, I'm not going to read this entire thing. Let me pop over to IMDb and read what their thing is. After moving into a suburban home, a couple becomes increasingly disturbed by a nightly demonic presence. Boy, do they ever. Um, alternate. There's an alternate ending to the film. Uh, once that Paramount acquired it, the original ending was scrapped and two new endings were developed for the film, one of them being the one seen in theaters, uh, the scrapped ending shown only at one public viewing. So the original ending, instead of the theatrical ending where possessed Katie carries Micah's, uh, Mika, I, I want to say Micah, but yeah, it's they pronounce it Mika in the film. And throws it at, uh, throws him to the camera. Katie returns to the bedroom alone with a knife. I didn't see the knife in her hand, but she's bloody as shit. So I just assumed that she just kind of maimed him with her hands, you know, demon well, think, style. Didn't you say this is the original ending? So she, I don't think she had oh, the knife. That's true. Um, so she sits on the floor against the bed and rocks back and forth. Sometime the next day, Katie's friend Amber discovers Micah's body, Mika's body downstairs and runs away in a panic. Katie does not respond. At 9 p.m. the next evening, two police officers enter the house and reach the bedroom where they find the possessed Katie with a knife. After seeing, or, uh, seeing them, Katie suddenly returns to her normal state and asks about Mika. After the attic door slams by itself, one of the police officers panics and shoots and kills her. Holy kind of getting goosebumps thinking about this ending <laughs> that was kind of a trip the camera fades to black as the police officers continue searching the house for the sound an epilogue text appears dedicating the film to the memory of mika and katie the alternate ending it's not bad i mean it's different but yeah. i'm I almost definitely kinda, shuts the door on sequels it does They're i almost kinda, would kind of rather well, see i would almost rather have seen this ending though like it's i mean sure the you know seeing you know you having the jump scare of mika being thrown into the camera would have been cool to see but i I think this one drags too much like i feel like it would feel tacked on of like the way it ends now it's very abrupt and chilling and it just ends yeah, Whereas it, that, it's like, oh, and then it's the next day, and then the cops show up, and then they do right. this. And then Depends on the pacing like, okay. of it, too. Like, I get what yeah. you're saying, and that makes sense, but, like, with pacing, I, I yeah. guess that just, yeah. So, uh, the alternate ending. And another ending, Katie, after killing Mika off-screen, comes back upstairs alone, like the in- uh, original ending. This time, she closes the bedroom door and approaches the camera. She then faces the camera and slits her own throat, taking her life. Her lifeless body then drops to the floor while the camera fades to black. Also, kind of fucking your chances for a sequel there, but that's dramatic. Yeah, I've <laughs> like, seen that one. That one is I, good. Yeah, because, I mean, that's you don't get much more abrupt than that. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Um, but, I mean, it would just change how they did the sequels. I mean, spoiler alert, Katie comes back, 
And yeah, really all that. you would do is not do that. Yeah. But I will say that her coming back in the subsequent films, particularly two and four, mm-hmm. is part of what makes those endings so good. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't mind watching the rest of these. Um, I'm sure I'll do that. Um, so attempting to focus on believability rather than action and gore, uh, Pelly cho- uh, chose to shoot the picture with a home video camera. In deciding on a more raw and stationary format, the camera was almost always sitting on a tripod and eliminating the need for a camera crew. Um, a higher degree of plausibility was created for the audience as well as um, they were more invested in the story of the characters. Uh, Pelly said that the dialogue was natural because there was no script. Instead, the actors were given outlines of the story and situations to improvise, a technique known as retroscripting. Also so they pulled used, a Blair Witch. Yeah, also used in the making of Blair Witch. In, <laughs> in casting the movie, Pelly auditioned a few hundred people before finally meeting Katie, uh, Katie Featherson and Mika Sloat. Uh, he originally auditioned them individually later and called them back to audition together. Pelly was impressed with the chemistry between the actors, saying, if you saw the audition footage, you would have uh, thought that they had known each other for years. During a guest appearance on the Jay Leno show on November 3rd, Sloat and Featherson explained that they saw that they each saw the casting call on L.A. Casting. Um, Featherson noted that they were originally only paid $500 for their work. But like, well, I mean, when they made the movie for you know fifteen thousand dollars, yes, yeah, that's a hundred that, of that went to them, or a thousand <laughs> of that went to them. Like, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, so the film was shot out of sequence due to Pelly's self-imposed seven-day sh- uh, shooting schedule. Though he would have preferred the story to have unfolded for the actors as he envisioned it, Sloat, who controlled the camera for a good uh, deal of the film, was a former cameraman at his university's TV station. It was a very intense week, Pelly said, stating that the film would uh, would be shot day and night, edited at the same time, and would have the visual effects applied to it as the acting footage was being finalized. Um, multiple endings were conceived, but not all of them were shot. So the, out of the ones that they did, there were more planned. Um, the film was screened at 2007's Screamfest Horror Film Festival, where it impressed an assistant at the creative artist's agency, Kirill Baru, so much that CAA signed on to represent Pelly. Attempting to find a distributor for the film and or directing work for Pelly, the agency sent out DVDs of the movie to as many people in the industry as they could, and it would eventually be seen by Miramax Films uh, senior executive Jason Blum, who was there at the time, um, who thought it had potential. He worked with Pelly to re-edit the film and submitted it to Sundance, but it was rejected. Oh, DVD was also impressed... Um, DreamWorks executives Adam Goodman, Stacy Snyder, and finally Steven Spielberg, who cut a deal with Blum and Pelly, which I didn't realize that Spielberg was involved in this in any capacity. DreamWorks. <clears throat> what? Yeah, I. You know, like who's attached to like what? I wouldn't. I didn't know that. I always Spielberg. forget about it, but yeah, uh, Spielberg is one of the founders, creators, or whatever of DreamWorks. Okay. Um, the S in the SKG at the bottom. What? When you see DreamWorks, it says SKG at the bottom. Oh, okay, yeah, He's yeah. He's the S. Oh, I wonder who the K is, because... I think. I could be making that part up, but... Hey, you sound like you know what you're talking about, so, you know, I'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, during the screening, people began walking out. Goodman thought the film was bombing until he learned that the viewers were actually leaving because they, were, actually leaving because they were so frightened. He then realized a a remake was unwise. Paramount Pictures, which acquired DreamWorks in 2005, uh, bought the domestic rights to the film and worldwide rights to any sequels for $350,000. Let's see. When the film was taken in by Paramount, several changes were made. Some uh, scenes were cut, others were added, and original ending was scrapped, and two new endings were shot. Um... The ending shown in uh, theaters during the film's worldwide release is the uh, is one of the three 
to feature visual effects, and it um, differs from the endings previously uh, seen at Screamfest and Burbank screenings. The theatrical release was delayed indefinitely because Paramount had to um, had put all DreamWorks productions on hold. Meanwhile, a screening for international buyers resulted in the sale of the international rights in 52 countries. Only after Goodman became uh, production chief at Paramount in June of 2009 did the fine, fine, uh, film finally get slated for a fall release. That was quite a bit of limbo to be stuck in there. Yeah, no kidding. It took a couple years, but... So... Paranormal Activity premiered at uh, Screamfest, uh, as mentioned, on October 14, 2007. was also shown at the Slamdance Film Festival in 2008 and screened at the 36th Annual Telluride Film Festival in 2009. Um, on October 3rd, it was reported that a total of 33 screenings in all 20 markets had sold out and the film had earned $500,000 domestically. A day later, Paramount announced that the film would have a full limited re release in 40 markets, playing at all hours, including after midnight showings. And I miss midnight showings. I do too. Um, on October 6th, Paramount announced that the film would be released nationwide in the, the if the film re uh, received 1 million demands on Eventful. The film, uh, the full limited release of the film uh, st uh, started on October 9th, and on October 10th, the eventful.com counter hit over 1 million requests. Paranormal announced, oh, Paramount, sorry, announced soon after that that the film would get a wide domestic release on October 16th. I'm sorry, I can hear my daughter running up and down the hallway. Um, October 16th and expand to more theaters on October 23rd. And by November, it was showing in... Uh, locales worldwide um paranormal activity was not released on dvd or blu-ray until december 29th in 2009 more than two years after the film was made the home re uh, the home release includes one alternate ending to the theatrical it was released during the um it was released in the uk on march 22nd of 2010 wow. um and on DVD and Blu-ray with some specials. In the Netherlands, the movie received a release on VHS in oh. 2010. Oh, Netherlands. I love it. <laughs> Additionally, at the end of the film, 15 minutes worth of names were added to the DVD release as part of a special promotion. The message popped up before... Uh, the message that popped up before this said, the fans who demanded that the film were... Uh, Wait, the fans who demanded the film were asked by email if they wanted to have their name appear as a thank you to the film's success. Oh, that's kind of cool. Hmm. Um, let's see. So we, kinda, we talked about box office a little bit. Um, as it expanded, the film grossed $2.7 million on that Friday release, having a per theater average of $16,600. Um, it then went on to grow $7.9 million. Over the weekend, the film reached the week's highest per theater average of $49,300. And coming in fourth for the weekend behind Couples Retreat, Zombieland, and a uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Um, so, where did we go here? Um, blah, 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 blah. On the weekend of October 23rd, 2009, um, Paranormal Activity rose to first, beating out Saw 6, earning $21.1 million, expanding to uh, 1,945 theaters for an average. Well, compared with the $14.1 million gross from those theaters, and... Um, and four points or four thousand six hundred fifty dollars average for Saw Six. The films had grossed just under one hundred eight million domestically and eighty five for the total of one hundred ninety three point four million. Um, it said that the Hollywood Reporter estimated the, that the film uh, net profit was seventy eight million. Not bad. No, not at all. Um, so the film was nominated for Best First Feature in the Independent Spirit Awards in two thousand nine. Um, so in Japan, a sequel entitled Paranormal Activity 2 Tokyo Night was released in 2010. Also in 2010, Mockbuster Group The Asylum created their take on the film titled Paranormal Entity, which would later spawn a series of its own. Um, 
on March 7, 2010, Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin performed a spoof of the film as part of the 82nd, 82nd Academy Awards. Um, da, 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 da. So, let's see what we got for this here. Is there a tagline? Yes, there is. What happens when you sleep? Not much. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. I, dude, honestly, that's like the thing that sucks the most about that. Like... Yeah, sure. Being you know haunted by a demon sucks, but like, sure, I like to sleep, man. Yeah, don't worry. And one of it. the convincing things about the movie is like you look at the cast, and most of the people are using their real names. Yeah. Um, well, and that's what's great. Like, there's no open credits. There's no open title. There's no closing credits. Like, mm-hmm. it gives you that. This seems so very real. Mood. <clears throat> that's why I loved it. Yeah, um, let's see. So, it was nominated for twelve different awards. Um, I'm <laughs> so in 2010 for Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. It was nominated for best uh, wide release film and nominated for worst film. Um, that's kind I'm of funny. Sure how they do I'm, that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read through all the different ones. You guys want to know what awards that it was nominated and won? Check it out on IMDb.com. Um, so we talked about the storyline a little bit. Um, let's get in some fun facts before we start talking about the thing. So, well, not the movie, the thing, but this thing. Um, right. So. That? It said that, Steven, as we said, Steven Spielberg convinced the filmmakers to change the original ending. Um, poor Spielberg had to stop watching the film halfway through on a home screener as he was gen- genuinely spooked by the experience. Hmm. He completed it in daylight hours the next day and loved it. It only took 10 days to film. And the movie was, the entire movie was filmed in Pelly's own home. Nice. That's a way to save money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it said DreamWorks wanted to remake the movie with a bigger budget and better known actors rather than the uh, release the film as it was. Boo. I am so glad that that didn't happen. Could you yeah, imagine trying to watch this movie and say, "It's like Brad Pitt." Uh, yeah, somebody <laughs> like that. Like, like um. It definitely adds to the believability when, like, you don't yeah. know who anybody is. That's why Blair Witch works. That's why Fourth Kind works. Like, mm-hmm. you don't know them. I well, mean, what makes Fourth Kind afterwards. work is, I mean, they use the Hollywood actors, but they paired it with unknown actors. Yeah. And yeah, that's so, yeah, it's so good. Out of the eight people hired to star in the movie, only five cast members remained in the theatrical release. Um, all the crew had to wear black clothes at all times so that no color uh, reflections would show up on the walls or on wooden floors. Clever. Um, actually, this movie was shot in 2006. So, uh, Oren Pelly got the idea for making the film from a personal experience. Later, uh, late at night, he was sleeping on a box of Oh, he was sleeping, and a box of detergent fell off of the shelf. The box was pushed back too far for it to just tilt and fall. Yes, that's creepy stuff. Um, So the role of Dr. Johan Averys was cast with uh, a real paranormal investigator from the independent investigations groups, Spencer Marks. The role was shot to help explain certain anomalies in the film. The role was predominantly mentioned in the movie, but actually the footage was never used because we saw Avery's never, he didn't get there in time. Um, So, um, what do you got here? The book Micah, uh, Mika, sorry, consults is a 1971 trade uh, paperback from Dover Publications titled Picture Book of Devils, Demons, and Witchcraft. By Ernst and jo- uh, jo- uh, Joanna Joanna Lehner. Um, uh, he so Oren Pelly bought that Ouija board at his local Costco. I've never seen <laughs> one at a Costco, but that one looks almost a, a little bit fancier than your standard uh, Target version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Let's see. So at around 35 and a half minutes when Katie is talking to Mika behind her, there's an orb-like object floating eerily behind her and to the right. As to this being special effects to uh, represent the demon, an insect accidentally caught on camera or a dust particle, which has been the main debunk for orb, uh, orb pictures, there are said to be actual ghosts, which is unknown at this time. Um, no. Let's see. The death metal band on the television in the first shot of the film is Disgorge from San Diego, performing their song, Consume the Forsaken. So some somebody named Katie Gallagher, she was on Survivor in uh, 2000. Okay. Uh she's yeah, just on TV shows. She was the runner up to play Katie, but since she was more known for being on Survivor and stuff like that, they didn't use her. Good. Um now playing a podcast reviewed Paranormal Activity. This film received one recommend and two nots. Why am I promoting other podcasts? Um that's why I get so the guitar. Uh, this will be the end. This will this will be the last one as I I like guitars. Uh, so the guitar that Mika plays toward the beginning of the film is a Trans Blue Line Six Variax seven hundred six string electric guitar. The guitar created by uh, amplifier manufacturer Line Six, which is uh, I actually used to have a Line Six Spider Three amp, was one of the first in a line of pickupless electric meaning the electronics are internal um, and features the ability to model or mimic up to 25 different stringed instruments, including the distinct sound of a Telecaster, Stratocaster and full hollow body electrocess. Probably not interesting to a lot of people, but that's, that's really kind of cool. All right, Justin, that's it. Let's get into the, the meat of the ghost here or demons, if you will. Um, we've already stated, and I know you have, Big fan of the movie. Yeah. I, I I remember seeing it in theaters and just being blown away. Like, it was just like, wow, this is so good. And at that point, you know, found footage because of Blair Witch and stuff had been run through the ground. But yeah. it was nice to be like, oh, this is how you can make it better. Right. This is how it can stay relevant. I was surprised, given your uh, hesitance with ghosts, that you picked this movie. It's not a hesitance, like... Uh, Your heebie-jeebiness with ghosts. Well, no, and see, that's the thing, because like I said, I almost went... Uh, <coughs> sorry, I almost went with White Noise, because that one gave me the most heebie-jeebies out of all of them. Um, But these kind of movies are the only ones that give me any sort of reaction. Sure. Like, watching them. I, like, huh? <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. said, because you're dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. I mean, like, slashers and, you know, all these kind of movies, they don't, like, sure, maybe I'm like, oh, that's creepy, or oh, shit, you got yeah. me with the jump scare. But, like, the fact of, like, demons, ghosts, anything paranormal, they're not my go-to when it comes to horror, but they're the ones that kind of get me the most just because it's like, nobody's proved that it's real or it's not. Like people are like either will try to debunk it. Somebody's like, I've never had an experience with sure. a demon or a ghost personally, but yeah, um, I with this being a found footage style film, I thought it paired really well with doing with you doing fourth kind. So that's what sure. we're doing. But um, I kind of went extensive with the notes. It's not that we have that's to all. cover. E I'm not going to cover each of the things. I just kind of mm -hmm. want to call back on specific things because this mo there's this movie half of it takes place at night when they're in bed or asleep right. you know f for more or less and you know you have night three night five 13 15 18 you know like all these different ones and most of it is just to kind of recall what happens on those nights so we can talk about it True. but um i do like the way they start the movie with your classic, unclassic, you know, message from the police department thanking the families of them, of uh, Katie and Mika, to, you know, participate in this and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was With nice that touch. being the opening credit, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's like it doesn't, it would be one thing if they had 
you know it superimposed of paranormal activity <laughs> you're right. like okay well this is okay i mean it probably would have worked because they would have had it be a little more subtle and yeah it like faded in and out but did I'm they so do that glad with the sequels they... no okay i don't remember they it's all are just time. like this they okay. just start okay and it's fantastic because it gives you that they just push play or they mm-hmm. edit you know all of the stuff together because obviously there's parts that are fast forwarded because she, you know, she's just standing there or whatever. But right. It's like they just push play on the cassette and here we go. Called it good. Which is perfect. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we had talked about this. Um, so pretty early on in the movie, they kind of established that this is like a, or she does, that, you know, this is kind of a recurring thing. Mm. Like, you know, she has been dealing with this off and on since uh, she was eight years old when her house burnt down. Mysteriously. Yeah, mysteriously, which, I mean, was really cool that they kind of, you know, how they teed it up later with when they're trying, they're talking about this lady named Diane who in the 60s had the exact same experience, like to a T, Mm -hmm. was like, you know, she dealt with the same thing. And then that's kind of like when everything you kind of like the gravity of it. It's just like, somebody's going to die. It's probably going to be me. Could be you. Could be both. Obviously Katie doesn't die because she shows up in sequels. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. I, when that happened, cause you I, spoiled it first. I vaguely remember what happens in the sequels. It's been a long time since I've a thawned it. But <laughs> yeah. I don't recall Diane ever being brought up again. Mm-hmm. But I know how, like, everything tees up and, you know, three when they go back. I'm pretty sure it's three when they go back to when Katie and her sister were little girls and how all that started and shit. Yeah. It's been so long since I've seen those movies. I don't remember them at all. Well, and that's, like, it, it spins out into something so much more than it is now. Like, just starting out here, it's just like, oh, she's possessed and she's been possessed you know, for her whole life, which is cool and whatever. Right. I don't remember if... Yeah, it get, I mean, it gets so weird and so into, like, witchcraft and wacky shit later. I, I like this one the most, really, because it's so bare bones, and you don't know what's going on, and it's all so vague. It's right. that, you know, the more you know, the worse it is kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, The one thing that I do, like, with this movie is, even though it's, like, just, like, a really low hum that, like, it's, like, you know, the indicator that lets you know, like, hey, something's happening. Yeah, we're, you're, like, okay, something's going to happen. You're going to hear footsteps, something's going to fall. But, uh, so, yeah, that first night, they you know the hums every yeah like i said every time something happens you'll hear they'll be humming um some footsteps keys falling just little stuff um they do meet with the psychic i do like how he's like you know this isn't my area of expertise and then later when he comes back the second time and he's like i shouldn't be here i you know this is only gonna make it worse it's like nice touch yeah um, but, you know, meeting with the psychic was a good way to kind of explain the backstory of, you know, hey, this is happening with me and my sister when we were little, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you know, this sounds more like demons than it does with ghosts, um, or anything else. So it's like, well, fuck, man, dealing with demons is, That's no so thanks. much worse. <laughs> right. I saw the uh, exorcist. Yeah, right. Night three, you got you know the door closing, more creepy rumbles. Night five, um, that's when I was like, man, that humming is so unsettling by this point because it's like you know that something's going to happen because you can like that audio indicator is there, mm-hmm. but like you don't know when it's going to happen. And one of my biggest issues. If, like, if we're going to talk realism for this movie, and 
I can rationalize it by the fact that they're wanting to catch whatever they can, maybe on film. But, like, turn on the fucking lights. Turn on the hallway lights. Turn on bedroom lights. Like, you don't have to just use lamps at night. Turn Like, if I hear a bump in my house, even now at almost 40 years old, I am turning on every single light on my way to that noise. Like, yesterday, my daughter's like, there's a noise coming from your bathroom. And I'm like, because the fan was on. Um, and I'm walking back there and like hall light, bathroom yeah. light, daughter's light, my light. Like, Phone light. Yeah. <laughs> light, light. I'm not taking any chances, man, because I mean, granted, I know, I, I 98% know that it's nothing real or sure. that's manifest, like, mm. unless somebody's broken into your house, which is the most likely thing. Sure. But like, yeah, I'm turning on every light on my way to that noise. Uh, not that it would help in the case of a demon, you know, potentially. And I know that, that's the only thing that I noticed one at one point when I was watching it and they were freaked out and they were wanting to go downstairs and shit. I was like, turn on the fucking lights. Yeah. Like that, especially going I, downstairs. I, yeah, I get not having them on throughout the night. For one, well, it yeah. gives the ghost something to do because they can flip the light on and off. Yeah. I would think you could have the light flip off. They like they keep the light on all the time and then it flips off so that the demon isn't, you know, caught well, yeah, on you're, film. You're not going to sleep with lights on. Yeah. I get that. But yeah, but when, when you're up and walking around, it's like. <laughs> Turn the light on. Even um, like. I, I mean, I know it's, you know, 10 plus years later, but like every time I wake up, to go to work and my wife's still asleep. I don't want to turn on a bunch of lights and wake her up. So I use my phone. Yeah. And I use that light as like my guide. Well, and I mean, the camera that they're using emanates a shitload of light, obviously. Oh, yeah. Like we get that. And maybe they thought that was enough. But if I'm going downstairs, I'm going to turn that light on. Yeah. I, like, what are you going to do when you're looking downstairs and you see some fucking Zool looking <laughs> or demon crouched in yeah. a corner you're like that'd be a little less scary if i could you know if it's like i'd not catch it eyes first or you know like blood glistening off its teeth yeah like come on That's now great. um but so pretty sure they live in la right california yeah. it's a very yeah. california-esque looking place yeah it is maybe arizona I'm going to say I'm California. I'm almost positive it's California, if I remember correctly, from the other so, ones. So, you're going to tell me, in the vast expanse of California, L.A., mm-hmm. where I've never been, you're going to tell me there's one demonologist in that entire town. <laughs> Call somebody else. The yeah. fact that Mika got her to wait multiple weeks to actually called the demonologist because he's kind of an asshole in this movie yeah there are he times pushes... i want to root for him and be like yeah you're right man but most of the time he's just a dickhead yeah you're like you're pushing bounds though you yeah. know like if nothing like, else some... she's upset so don't be a dick right now yeah yeah don't push the buttons even more yeah. so man like you already pushed your luck getting the fucking camera out there and recording mm-hmm. all the time there's no way wife is going to sign off on that if there's an instance, once, maybe rationalize it. Two, maybe like, okay, that's kind of weird. Third time, somebody's at the house and we're gone. Like, the fact that they were there for three weeks, dealing with damn near nightly, every other nightly occurrences. Um, the one thing I like, though, is that they make it very clear that it doesn't matter if they leave, because it's her. Which is true. But That's something I, they do. Been... I was just talking about this with a friend of ours from work mm-hmm. about, I think it's insidious where they do that. And it's like, oh, they're haunted and immediately they move, but the hauntings keep going because it's mm-hmm. not the house, it's the kid. Right. And the idea that it's Katie that is cursed or haunted or whatever mm-hmm. is a nice touch because it is that immediate thing. You go, well, you're seeing all this shit, you're seeing it on camera, which is even worse because you have proof. Right. Get out. Yeah. And them saying well, it doesn't matter. It's let me ask you a question, there. though, Justin. Would you have stayed in that house long enough to find out if it was you or the place? The problem is, is that by the time it gets dangerous, 
it's too late. Yeah. Like all the stuff that happens, like the door and the creaking and the bang, it's like that. Like I have two cats. That kind of shit happens all the time in my house. Yeah. And then you just kind of deal with it. So, I mean... I'm trying to remember how early on or how far in they are when the guy's like, it doesn't matter if you leave. Right. Um, I think it's closer to the end. But I don't know if that's because they've stayed too long or if that's the way it was going to be anyway. Night 18. Yeah. So that's practically at the end. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm going to do a quick ramble off on the nights and what happened on those nights. And okay. if you want to interject in those you can please do so so night one we got the hums the key is falling off the counter uh you can kind of hear the pitter patter what sounded like fall small footsteps um night three got the door closing like opening and closing back uh night five was the nightmares um and then the giant crash downstairs um which the next day, they got audio from the next day um, where they, they picked it up where they're downstairs and he's like, oh, I, you know, it sounds like somebody's talking, almost like whispering. And you, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, but <laughs> like whispering something. I would almost maybe, I wouldn't say Sumerian like it was in the other one, but, you know, maybe some sort of, maybe Latin. Yeah. Who knows? Um, night 13 you got you hear like thud, like a giant thud and some scrapes in the hallway. They don't turn on any lights. <laughs> was what I noted. But aside from like maybe a bed lamp, um, I said, you know, it's creepy because even when they're awake, stuff is still happening. Like a yeah. lot of the time when ghosts things like that, you'll see things they're n- happening. You know, like what was it? Amityville Horror, three fifteen every night. Mm-hmm. You never saw anything tell like it was too late um so micah is definitely an asshole he keeps saying everything's cool and this is golden shit and katie doesn't want anything to do with it but he is just like come on this is great like what do you like what were you going to do like so what you have a bunch (laughs) of great footage what are you going to do with that great footage like what what's golden shit going to get you (laughs) you know what i I mean yes huh the the notoriety of we caught proof of ghosts on film it is that kind of dickhead thing of like she's been dealing with this since she was a kid yeah and she's over it where mm-hmm. me, as and it's you kind of understand it because i mean i feel like i'd be like that at first to be like, like oh, i don't really the, believe this i think it's kind of a load of crap but by the time it's very obvious that shit's going on he's still a, a dick mm-hmm. and it's like okay you just saw this thing whether yeah. it's good or bad it's still not a thing you want to have happen yeah he's definitely towing that line because it's like one minute he's like the doting and loving you know boyfriend who's supporting and Mm -hmm. you know she's upset he's there for her but like you're kind of provoking it yeah and making it worse towards (laughs) the end when he started like yelling at it and provoking it after all the stuff show yourself no please don't show yourself yeah like, it's alone. shown on you enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, he th- um, on that one, he, he gets an EVP machine, you know, electronic voice phenomenon, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. They use those on shows. Yeah. But uh, he asks something about, he's like, hey, uh, you know, you want me to use a, a Ouija board? And then he hears a growl um, that was picked up. And he's like, you know, growl once if you want me to do it and growl twice if you don't. And then obviously it's going to growl once because like you looking for validation anywhere. (laughs) Um, so night 15, Katie sleepwalks. She stands there and watches him for almost two hours, which is creepy. Hmm. Um, then finds her outside, goes to get blankets. The TV's on, turns around. She's right behind him. Creepy. The funny thing is, is so my wife was talking to me and she's like, you know, it'd be a good idea. A way that you could promote your podcast, you know, through social media is, is, um, is do TikToks. But he was like, what you could, she's like, what you could do is you could recreate scenes of these movies, uh, with, you know, and use my daughter. Right. So I was like, oh, that would be kind of funny if, you know, somebody's recording me sleeping and then my daughter is, (laughs) you know, standing there watching me kind of leaning back and forth. (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, that's a way to promote an episode. Like, I'm not a TikToker. And if you put like a funny tint on it at the end of for like, 
I have to go to the yeah. bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's not a bad idea. I just yeah. like, man, try to find time and figure and then figure out how to do that. I'm, she does the TikToks. I don't. Um, so, have her do it then. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, you know, we talk about Micah being an, or Mika being an asshole. He gets the Ouija board anyway, doesn't use it. But this is when, like, I, this is one of the scenes that I remembered from the theaters. Because mm-hmm. when I was watching it today, my wife walks in and she walks by right during that scene where she's standing there watching him for two hours. I'm like, hey, you got timing. <laughs> Creepy. Um, but she's like, didn't you make me watch this with you in theaters? I'm like, yeah, probably. Because I remember seeing it in theaters being like, mm-hmm. wow, that's convincing. Yeah, the way that they don't cut away from stuff and things happen, it's like I don't know how they rigged up the doors and the the wind on the plants and the fire yeah. and shit, but they did a really good job of making there's no It's cuts. convincing. Yeah, <laughs> yes. there's no way that it's like a trickery of like, oh, we did this kind of weird angle cut thing to make this effect work. It just looks like that thing caught on fire suddenly. Yeah, exactly. Um and the way that they like the doors open and close like mm-hmm. it's so uh, it it's like it moves and stops like as if somebody's doing it with their hand and like mm-hmm. if you have strings going directions unless you have that like the slack gone and super tight to where you're controlling that movement like you're not going to open a door and then it stopped like i, I don't know how they did it. they did a yeah. very good job of making it look realistic uh, <clears throat> excuse me so yeah dude the Ouija board lighting on fire that shit was creepy because yeah. it's like it starts moving on its own it's like well dude yeah you didn't do it but you put it down there you put the fucking board down or the the little uh, mover piece i don't remember what it's called but you're just asking for it man um so, you know, he spends a lot of time after that trying to solve what the, what was said, you mm-hmm. know, or what was spelled out. Uh, I believe he found the words like goodbye and then Diane, Nadine, these different kind of names. Um, Which never really gets revisited and I don't think it ever gets explained either. It, well, so later on when they find out that that lady from the 60s, her name was Diane. Hmm. And so that's, like, if her name was anything else, that would almost not, like, that whole scene would have been not needed. I didn't make that connection, then. Yeah, so, yeah, they find out, you know, um, yeah, her name was Diane. It was in the 60s. She was going through every everything that happened to her. It was the same thing that's happening to Katie. Um, mm-hmm. House burned down when she was eight. All that right. kind of shit. I remember um, all that. I just didn't remember that that was the name on the, that was the same name. Yeah. From the board. Um, so Mika decides, he's like, I'm going to lay out some, uh, powder on the floor. And then she's like, I'm, you know, she's calling the demonologist first thing in the morning. I Mm -hmm. said I would have done that a long time ago. Like just a few instances, like I'm not putting up with this. Um, so the, the thing is, is like the footprints is when you really do get like this, like the three like it's definitely like a beast yeah Yeah. like it's it oh fuck man the way like i don't know if you've ever seen um the original mortal Kombat, where goro had like the three fingers on the one hand but the Mm -hmm. way the shit spread out like it's a paw almost is really it's really creepy yeah it's interesting like they didn't go with the hoof prints to have it be like the devil which is good. They, yeah, and they didn't, you know, do some of the kind of classic things. The idea, and what I also love with all of these movies, and the thing I don't like about Ghost Dimension, is that you don't see what it is. You don't even get a glimpse of anything other than those claw prints. And so it embeds, like, it gives you your own imagination to come up with what that thing looks like. Right. Like, I have an image of if they saw this thing, this is what it would look like. Mm-hmm. And if they showed that to me, there's no way it would live up to what's in my head. Less is more. I don't know how many times we have to say it. Like, and they did. That's exactly what this movie needed. Um, and I haven't seen Ghost Dimension, but now I'm upset because it sounds like they show visually what something looks like, and I don't like that. Yeah, I haven't watched it in a long time, but they have these special cool cameras that can actually show the ghosts, and, show, oh. and it's just like okay. 
Like, it's an interesting effect, mm-hmm. but it takes out the creep factor. Right. Makes sense. Okay. Let's see here. Um, so they follow the footprint, uh, footprints back. They, you know, to the, like, they're near the closet. She looks up and then sees that the, um, the, yeah, the attic cover is kind of open. And then Micah, Mika, being the gung ho guy that he is, like, let me go up there and look. And it's like, okay. But that's when they find, you know, they find the picture that was supposed to be burnt up in Katie's house Mm -hmm. in the phone. It seems to have some singe marks. So it's like it it is the same picture from the fire. Right. And then it happens to be above their bed, which is a nice other creepy factor. Um, Mm -hmm. So night 18, you hear um, footprints up the stairs, door slams closed. Um, they get close to the door and then the door's just like banging and rattling and you're just like, fuck. I get goosebumps thinking about that too. <laughs> um, but then nobody turns on the light <laughs> still. That's the I'm time like, I noticed. It was yeah. Like, and I'm just okay, like, turn like, on this. the lights, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, next morning you hear just this loud bang downstairs well, when they're downstairs, upstairs. And then there's a picture of the, both of them on the wall. It's smashed over his face mm-hmm. and then a nice little gouge down the cheek there is basically like we get it that <laughs> does not like you and for good reason you fucked yeah you're <laughs> fucked you're provoking and this is what you get quit it stop so uh, we already mentioned you know the psychic comes back says it's overwhelming he'll help them mm-hmm. but he can't stay doesn't actually help them um night uh the 19th night is a uh, physical moves the blanket up over katie's foot um, the lights turn on from the closet. You can see the shadow, a shadow across the door, um, and then a growl before disappearing. Um, Mike is always just quick to like get up and run and look. Turn on that the lights. That is the one nice kind of like. <clears throat> it, it's the nice kind of redeeming feature of him is that when something happens, he's the first to be like, "Okay, I'm yeah. here. I'm gonna protect you. I'm gonna go see what the fuck's going on here." I'll give you that. You know. Yeah. To his detriment, but to his, yeah. well, know, yeah, it's like the attic thing. Like if you heard a big bang in the attic, you you're gonna look up there because if nothing else, there might be an animal or something. Like obviously, you don't want to be attacked, but I think even you, if you heard a big noise, would be like, okay, let's see, maybe the next day. <laughs> when yeah, maybe. Yeah. But, I uh, don't know, dude. I like, I get pretty. I wouldn't say timid, but I definitely get a little skittish when it comes to <laughs> unexplained shit like anybody would. So I'm like, sure. there shouldn't be that noise happening up there, but I'm hearing it. Do I want to look? Probably not. Um, I'm sure it's fine. If it keeps going, we'll call somebody. Yeah. Um, so the next day, uh, they get the connection to the woman from the 60s. Uh, the 20th night, Katie gets pulled off her bed and down the hall. That's when it gets... It starts getting creepy. Or um, she got a bite mark on her back. Um, she's laying on. She's sitting on the ground. She's holding the crucifix so tight that her hands bleeding. Um, that was nice. She was kind of just sitting there in this catatonic state, mm-hmm. just like and gripping it so tight that there's blood coming out. Like that. That was a nice touch. Yeah. So um, Mika doesn't like turning on lights, but he will light up the fireplace. And uh, burnt, uh, burns a picture in the crucifix. Um, the crucifix so, seems like the thing you don't want to burn. Yeah, you would want to keep that. Me, <sighs> yeah, I don't get it. It's all good. I could get it if she burnt it, especially because yeah. the next scene when she's laying in bed and she's like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. You know, we should stay. And then you get the creepy voiceover with it where it's her and another voice saying, um, I think I think we'll be okay now, and then she smiles, and then I get goosebumps thinking about that also. Mm-hmm. Um, the the night twenty one. This is the big one. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she's laying in bed, sits up Undertaker style, just goosh, I'm like fuck. Um, <laughs> gets out of bed, stares at Mika. Uh, Mika, god damn it, for a while. Um, the blanket gets pulled off him while she's standing there watching. So this is definitely a double team. She walks around, stares, leaves the room. She screams from downstairs. This part, like this, it's kind of like Blair Witch, where the like the ending of that movie makes it, right? Right. But this movie's already good. 
But this yelling from downstairs, the screaming, you know, you just hear banging and, you know, one thud, then it's quiet. And you hear footsteps upstairs and then boom, force throw. You know, Mika gets thrown into the camera. So, you know, you see Katie standing in the doorway. She's bloody, which would explain the knife. I, I didn't know. I don't think she's not holding one. But she walks over, drops down to a knee, and then kind of creepily gets down and sniffs him. Mm-hmm. Looks like she's sniffing Holds him. like and, the ring. Yeah. And she's just kind of like crab walking. Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And then she looks up at the camera, and it's kind of like that. She does a good. She does a good uh, possessed face. I'll give her that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. She, you know, I really didn't want the morph into the demon face. Like we know she's possessed. We don't mm-hmm. need that effect. I get why they did it. I don't hate it. But at the same time, I man, like if her eyes would have just been black or something to where, like. We know she's possessed. She's not going to kill, like, even, you may get tired of his shit, but she's not going to kill Mika. You know what I mean? And so, we know she's possessed. We know that she's not acting right. Nobody crab walks like that for the fun of it, unless you're my daughter who's running down the fucking, (laughs) running down the, (laughs) I picked her up from school yesterday. She's like, Dad, look at this. And she's going, I'm like, stop, please. (laughs) Um, You know what I mean? Like. The, the part I didn't like was the lunge at the camera. It's a little cliche. I think it, it would have been creepier if she had just gotten up, heel turned, and walked out the door. Like, instead of the rah at the camera. Oh. I was like, yeah. that's a bit much. I didn't, that's I didn't, what I mean. I didn't mind I didn't the creepy look that. on her face and shit and smiling at the camera. That's all good for me, but. Well, now I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that. If she would have, yeah, if she would have looked at the camera. Maybe smiled like she did when she's in bed, mm-hmm. and then stand up or pop like you said, pop up yeah. slowly, and then walk or get back in bed. Yeah, getting back <laughs> you in know bed what I mean? Something like that. Like that would have been fucking terrifying. That's a mix of endings right there. You could have, she could have went back into bed. Um, yeah, but I think it goes with the you know they never saw Katie again after that, or her whereabouts well, yeah. are unknown at this time. Like if she had. And it's what they do in the sequels, spoilers, is like, she just does what she does and then fucks off. If they had done that in this one, there would have been a bit of continuity there. That, I get like, That makes sense. She just walks out the house and then goes to her next destination. Right, right, right. So the movie ends the same way it starts with a little bit of um, a caption. You know, Micah, Mika, fuck me, dude. An hour, you, I don't, it's just... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Mika's body was discovered. We should do a, a Mika counter every time you do it. A ding, ding, ding. <laughs> that'd be funny. I don't have time to edit that, but that would be funny. So Mika's body was discovered days later. Katie's missing no credits. Beautiful. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. There's really nothing, like aside from that little minor detail of the lunge at the camera, there's nothing about this that I I agree. Like. If she would have got up and walked away, ooh, that would have been so good. Yeah. So good. And I'm glad, like, I've seen the throat slit ending, and it's fucking brutal. I haven't. I need to, I'm going to look for it. Yeah, it's really good. I like that one, but, again, it changes. It doesn't keep you from making sequels. It just makes you have to make different sequels. Well, no, I mean, okay, so think of this. Like, it, it does throw in a wrench into having her in the sequels, Yeah. but... If she tries to kill herself, like, so say she's not, like, the only way that it would work is if, like, she tries to kill herself and the demon's, like, you know, fucking not force today. heal. Yep, nice try. You're not getting away that easy. That would be good. The the way I remember it, it's been a couple years since I've watched it. She just, it's very quick, and she just, it, it's just done over. Nice. But if it would have been, like, she wakes up out of it a little bit, realizing what she's done, and then tries to... Yeah, like a a reverse beginning of Nightmare on Elm Street reboot, where she wants to <laughs> and it stops her and throws the knife and makes her walk out. Like that'd be fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. But I like, love this look at franchise. Us just, look Not at us to just... keep making better endings for. Yeah, movie, I was gonna but... say, look at like we, we do this every time where it's oh, like. I know. Uh, well, that's one of my favorite things. Being like, man, so you like to write stories or tell stories. Yeah. I don't myself. I'm not. 
I'm, I haven't tapped into that creative. Like I'm too self-conscious to create in that aspect. Sure. But when we, you know, start spitballing and start going and then like riffing off these ideas where it's like, man, here we are an hour into a podcast and we've come up with a couple endings where it's like, man, could you imagine if that's what we got? Mm-hmm. I love it. <clears throat> it so that it, yeah. it, hey, I, it makes it seem like I hate the ending more than we, I do because I think it's solid. You know, especially given that they didn't know there was going to be a billion sequels after this. That's a t-shirt. It, it, That's a t-shirt idea right there. In quotes. I know it sounds like we're shitting on the movie, but <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> you know, like I know it sounds like we don't like it, that but I promise you, we shirts. do. Yeah. <laughs> I could use be... it for both shows. I know it sounds like I don't like this. But... Well, I mean, shit, Justin. Your your other show is talking about the MCU, so let's be fair. You're not like. I'm never shitting on any of it. Yeah, there you but go. But we haven't talked but... about Iron Fist yet. <laughs> I still can't believe I liked Iron Fist more than you. I need to watch it again, but it, it's fine. Uh, dude, it, I, so, I don't know, man. I liked all the the corporate bullshit that was in that movie. I don't I don't know why. Or show, sorry. But um, back Anyhow. on topic, this was Paranormal Activity. It was. Um, they, I don't know if it's still on sale, but I bought like the six pack on voodoo for like $13 or $20 or whatever it was, eight, $15. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Oh, yeah. I did the, the disc to digitals cause I already owned them. So it was there like two go. bucks, but yeah, you know, I, I got them all. I can't wait to get, I kind of keep forgetting about next of kin. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's available on Blu-ray or anything yet. I would, just, I would think so. It's been out for a while. Right. So if you want to watch Paranormal Activity, um, I like Justin said, he owns it. I watched it on Voodoo because I own it there. It says that it's on Amazon Prime Video. Um, it's part of Paramount Plus if you have a, a subscription. It's on a, a premium subscription for Roku, Philo, all that good shit. So Paranormal Activity in a pretty little nutshell there. Mm-hmm. Overall, enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Um, not much we would change about it. No, not much I that would, would need say to be it's changed. Still, like I love the first three sequels. Like mm-hmm. one through four are like perfect. It doesn't tell marked ones and Ghost Dimension that it starts to kind of get wonky for me. Yeah. But it's the name Ghost Dimension that sounds so stupid. I'm like, God, <laughs> this is a like. I don't care if you're talking about a Ghost Dimension. Name it something else. Marked That's ones. Fair. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Even if Ghost Dimensions makes sense, call it something else, please. I don't want to, like... But it's a solid franchise. I really love it. I'm glad that we've opened the door so now that we can uh, get into the sequels. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it'll be a while, obviously, because we like to get let these things breathe, but yeah, we will be back with more paranormal activity in the future, I'm sure. That we will. So that... Heidi, is that up, Justin? Do you want to let us know what, since we're not doing a bonus episode this month, mm-hmm. what, pray tell, are you covering next? Because well, even I don't remember. You you tell me all the time, but yeah, I, know. I never retain. I am doing a 1956 classic, The Bad Seed. That's right. Okay. I watched this for the first time last year or so and loved it. It's very long. I think Norris was recommending that we wa- we cover this also, but it's a it's a no, great he film. The remake. There's there's nothing much for production notes on like uh-huh. the next three movies, but it's super awesome. Um, I don't know if it's available anywhere, but I'm actually looking right now. So I'm. It was on Vudu a lot for a while, especially on Halloween for cheap. But yeah, it's for rent. They did do something oh that's the they they kind of redid it with rob lowe on lifetime yeah um i hate I, every word in that sentence <laughs> <laughs> and i like that's rob what? lowe but that just sounds terrible uh, <laughs> i'm trying to think what was guillermo's first movie i thought that he did something called the bad seed or um I'm looking it up real quick um, because if I'm, well, that's a writer. Jesus Christ, can you, so many things. To, um, 
Uh, no, nah, it's not him. Never mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Norris recommended what we watch Bad Seed at some point too, and I was like, okay, here we are. Yeah, I'll let her, him know. It's happening. It's happening. Uh, give it a give it a watch before the uh, episode. <clears throat> it's it's a great one. It's we'll a classic. Do. Yeah, and I can't wait to talk about it. Awesome. Alrighty, guys. Well, we want to thank you all for joining us today. As always, we appreciate it. Um, we love doing this, but without you guys listening, we probably would have fizzled out a long time ago. Um, so you can find us on all the social medias. We are on Facebook at Pod and Gore Podcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Gore underscore Pod. You can find us on the Slasher app, Pod and Gore Podcast. You can email us at podandgore@gmail.com. There's no shortages of ways to reach out to us, and we encourage that you do so. If you have not yet, please like, rate, review, share with a friend. Spread the word. Um, this could be somebody's favorite podcast. They just don't know it yet. So, um, yeah. We'll see you guys next episode with The Bad Seed. Until then, we've been your hosts. My name is Brandon. My name is Justin. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.